Who you with? Who you with? Who you with? Y'all know how we get started on this side. Quick roll call. We're my Saints fans, my Falcon fans, my Buck fans, my Panther fans. Whether you keep pounding, firing off them cannons, rising up and yelling out who that. Whatever you do to support your team, I'm just glad that you're here supporting me. I, Darian, the mouth of the South Gray, the one and only host of Point Blank, period. Recording and coming to you live from the Jansport per usual on Instagram at underscore mouth of the South, on Twitter at South Exclusives. Come talk to me. And if you're not hyped for this week, I don't know what to tell you, man. Look, I understand in this division, it's like, okay, you got a divisional rival going on, you know, on to the Super Bowl, and you probably rooting against them. But if you're not hype at all for the Super Bowl, can you really call yourself a football fan? Even if you're just excited to see Kansas City win because you refuse to allow a divisional rival to come in and win a Super Bowl. Or if you are the divisional rival in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you really want to see your team win another one. There's no way that you are a football fan and not excited for this week. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> you might have to check your fandom if that's how you feel. Man, this is just great. It's a great week to be here, and I'm, I'm glad to be reporting on it. So let's get in. I'm not trying to waste any kind of time or anything. One disappointing thing about the Super Bowl is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing at home, but the NFL is not allowing them to fire off any cannons. So when I said if you uh, – uh, keep pounding, firing off them cannons. You will not be firing off the cannons this week unless you got one in your home. And maybe every time the the Bucks score, you're going to fire it off in your crib. But the NFL said no firing off any cannons, even though it's technically like a home game for the Buccaneers. So I want to start off with the good, man. I want to hop in. And I just want to talk about something good that I think about Tampa Bay. And that's that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And I think that this defense has been the best unit in the playoffs. And I don't mean that that's been the best side of the ball for the Bucs because I think that's been clear. I think it's clear that the defense has been better than the offense in the playoffs this year. At least to me it is. And I don't, I don't just mean that they're the best defense in the playoffs because I think that's been clear as well. I legitimately mean that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was better than any team's offense or defense or even special teams because none of the defense... None of the special teams really jumped out at me this year in the playoffs. Not in totality of the season. I'm talking about since wild card round to the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is the best unit in football. Point blank, period. Because, look, of every offense, every defense, they had some good, they had some good moments, man. But I just feel like Tampa Bay was better. And I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, probably in this podcast I'll say it again. But the, the Bucks' defense is the reason that they're in the Super Bowl right now. I've said it. Emmanuel Sanders went on first take, and he said it about, they asked him about Peyton, or not Peyton, excuse me, about Tom. And he was just basically like, hey, I think the defense is the real reason if you really look at it. And I don't think that's a slight. I know some people might think it's a slight. But man, that defense has been superb. And, you know, with the worst defense, I'm not sure they would have beat the Saints. I'm really not because that defense really was the reason they won to me. And I feel confident in saying that with the worst defense, they would not have beat the Packers. So when we look at some of the other high-ranked or high-hyped units coming into the playoffs, you have the Chiefs, the Bills, the Packers on offense, and then you have the Rams and the Saints on defense. Those have probably been excluding the Buccaneers – uh, that probably was my top five hyped units in the playoffs. 
And the Packers absolutely dominated the Rams' defense in the divisional round. Completely surprising. I know Aaron Donald was hurt, but they dominated them. So go ahead and take out them. Um, the Chiefs could have a stronger case. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, but Mahomes caught a concussion against the Browns, and the offense production took a hit. So out. And then the Bills, just they just didn't live up to the hype. They just weren't that. So another one bites the dust. And that leads to Saints defense and the Packers offense. And I want to highlight those right there because I don't want you to think it's a process of elimination that the Bucks defense is the best unit. It's not like, all right, nobody else really put together a good postseason, so I guess I got to give it to the Bucks. No, these these guys were hooping. Like, let's not get it misconstrued. And when you look at the Saints defense and the Packers offense, the reason they aren't the best unit in the playoffs is because of that Buccaneers defense. Look, the Saints defense, I thought, played great against Chicago. Shut them down other than a last-second touchdown, but that was literally last-second. And then if you really want to be honest, I thought they played admirably against the Tampa Bay offensive starting unit. But that defense was the offense for Tampa Bay on that day, man. They, they, they played pretty well, if you ask me. They forced turnovers, put them in scoring position three times. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. When I look at the Saints defense, you still have to say that they gave up these points. Because you can't give up 30 points and be the best unit in the playoffs. It's just, it's, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? So, they didn't give up 30 points because of that offense, though. They gave it up because of the defense. The defense put the offense in scoring positions three times, like I was saying. On a three, on a 20, on a 40. All of which resulted in Tampa's only touchdowns of the game. Whenever they had to drive from their side of the field, Tampa Bay sputtered out. And this is not to attack. I'm going to be very clear. This is not to attack. This is only to, to boost the Tampa Bay defense. Because in that game, they were the offense and the defense. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't force turnovers, I don't know how that game goes. Antoine Winfield Jr. had the best play of the game. And that was the forced uh, fumble on Jared Cook. Because nothing was the same after that. After that, the Saints didn't score another point. They didn't even drive. And that was a situation where the Saints could have went up 10 or 14. And that does, that's a whole different ball game. But instead, they forced a turnover. The Buccaneers went on. They tied the game up. And after that, they put on distance. And that just is what it is. Then you go to the divisional round. The Bucks' defense was the best source of, uh, excuse me, not the divisional round, excuse me, in the, in the um, championship game, excuse me. They were going against Aaron Rodgers. That's the reigning MVP. And they did what I didn't expect them to do. Mind you, this is the same Packers that just dominated what was the best defense in the league in the regular season in the Rams. And they did exactly what I didn't think they would do against them, and that's repeat everything that they did in the first matchup. I came on here before that. I said, I think they can continue the momentum, but I don't think they can repeat it. They repeated it five sacks again. They kept forcing turnovers. And then when things started going wrong for the offense and they weren't exactly going well the defense not only held serve but they served up another touchdown on a silver platter for that for that offense so man I've been so impressed with this defense and I understand in the playoffs they had a slow start against the Washington football team but in the next two games versus higher level of competition better offenses they were the reason that they won and that includes 
setting the offense up for easy touchdowns in both games and shutting down the reigning MVP to be. And if you ask me, they have been the best unit in the playoffs this year. Point blank, period. Now they got a whole nother situation that they got to handle and try to smother in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. That's completely different now. Because, yes, Michael Thomas is a great receiver. I know he had no catches in that game. But he's a great receiver. He's banged up. Devontae Adams, phenomenal. Been the best receiver in football this year. They handled him. Tyreek Hill's not better than either of those guys, if you ask me. But Tyreek Hill has speed. And speed kills. And at the end of the day, Tyreek Hill is a guy who is the most explosive receiver in football. And at any moment, you could see him change the game. And Tyreek Hill's dominance against the Bucks last game is well documented. Had over 200 yards in the first quarter. Not the whole game, the first quarter. And after that, they did a decent job handling him and, and defending him as he ended with only 269 yards. And I use only loosely, but when you compare it to 200 yards in the first quarter, it's a whole nother thing. And I've grappled with this thought process for... Honestly, the last couple of days, and I've landed on where I started. To a certain extent, I kind of feel like them stopping Tyreek Hill in the second half could backfire or be a bad thing for this game. It was obviously a good thing you had to learn how to, you had to stop him. Duh. So I'm not saying they should have just let him run over him. But for this game to play them again and to play Andy Reid again, I almost feel like it could backfire. And I mean that in the sense that the Chiefs now know what the Bucs would do to stop that plan. Now they can slightly alter it to beat it. For example, I was watching film study today. And it was one of those things where after the, the Chiefs got going, they kind of took their foot off the gas or whatnot. But the Buccaneers utilized cover four to try to stop Tyreek Hill. And there's ways to scheme around that. <laughs> You know, like, for example, you can run corner routes, deep post to complement those go routes. That's ways that you could try to just, uh, exploit the hole in a cover four. And there was ways openings and they're going to look at that. And Andy Reid is such a phenomenal mind that I know he's going to do that. Mind you, he's going to come with a completely different plan as well. Like, OK, if you want to play deep and cover that way. That's cool. We got something for that. Now, do I expect the Buccaneers to come out and play a lot of cover four? No, I don't. You know, when you look at it, that was a plan that worked because they were going deep. They were taking a lot of shots, and it was working. That single high stuff, Don't I don't want to see that this whole game. I don't want to see single high because I think that's trouble. And, you know, so with the two man looks, or the two high looks, excuse me, those are things that, Mahomes, honestly, that's been his worst coverage targeting. He has completed the least amount of passes to percentage-wise against too high than any other type of coverage. So when I look at him, I'm like, all right, you got killed by single high. You went to, to too high. It worked. He struggles against too high. I think this makes sense to keep running the too high. So I'll see that. And look, Carlton Davis don't need to be on the island against Tariq Hill. It just don't make any sense. I'm not even going to be mad at you, bro. Don't do that. 
So, and honestly, since that game, we've seen the Buccaneers use too high more often. They increased it by 8%. It was 4.8 before. I believe it's 2 point, I mean, excuse me, 12.3. You know, now that's how often they use it. So they learn from that. It, it, it just works. It coincides with them realizing, hey, we're good at this. They're bad at it. It just works. So with these tactics, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Kelsey underneath because this trio is just so magnificent. It's like they can do whatever they want to do in so many ways. So it's just it's, you think about how to stop Tyreek Kill, but it's like, dang, I still got to stop Kelsey. And it's really a tough situation. And I don't, I don't envy them at all. So we'll see what they do. I'll, I'll be interested because the Chiefs have a banged-up offensive line. Let's be very clear. The Chiefs have a very banged-up offensive line. So they, ha- they had a rough offensive line coming into it, and then Eric Fisher wants to tear his Achilles. Well, let me not say it like that. Terry- <laughs> Eric Fisher tears his Achilles. <laughs> but he tears his Achilles, and now Mike Rimmers comes in. JPP says he has no idea who Mike Rimmers was. Mike Rimmers doesn't really care that JPP doesn't know, but I'm going to be honest with you. JPP knew, and Mike Rimmers cares that he said that. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's how it is. So they'll have a chip on their shoulder. JPP is looking like, okay, your starting right tackle is out. Your starting left tackle is out. I'm trying to feast on all of these backups. Mike Rimmers is like, you're not going to feast on me. So it's one of those things where the Buccaneers have a phenomenal defensive line. (laughs) the Chiefs have a great, phenomenal quarterback. But can that offensive line hold up long enough to actually protect said quarterback? And that's the question, because they're going to get after it. Shaq Barrett's going to get after it. Vita Vea's back, and he sat a man flat on his back uh, against Green Bay. So they have a phenomenal offensive line. The Kansas City Chiefs, they can protect, but they have a banged-up offensive line. Excuse me, they have a phenomenal defensive line in Tampa Bay. This is a banged-up offensive line. It's not really a good matchup, but I'm going to tell you why it's not as bad as you may think or the genius that is Andy Reid is somebody who I think will be able to cover up for this lack of health on the offensive line because they're missing three starters against a great defensive line. But I'm going to tell you all of that after Vibe of the Week. And for it, I got Denzel Curry, Diet. I ain't going to lie to y'all, man. I've been singing this song for probably the last two weeks. It's only right that I bring it on. I'm going to let the whole thing ride. Let's go. Pamela Anderson, Pam Grill. The man's here. There's no fear. Came through with no tears. I don't cry. Matter of fact, I don't lie like a bedside. To tell the truth, then I tell you what it is or what it ain't. Please roll me up another deck, another smoke. Though I see it as the antidote to cure my daily anecdotes. I see my thoughts as adios. Finito, I get new jerseys like I was a Guido. The ego, gotta be vetoed if you want a free throw. The evils, stay with the scripture, what your mama read you. You gotta milk the game, son, I couldn't bottle feed you. This next bar was about to do some logic shit. But now I gotta stop this shit let me pop my shit. Drama still added on, staying positive. All my chickens on my side on the opposite. Get money from a show, then deposit. Uh, Yo, show's got no hope, I acknowledge it So braggadocious, spit sick, it's atrocious Rising like the stocks, broken The Shogun came through with no gun One man, Ichiban, fresh out of Japan Do us like a man, and what I demand It's on me, oh, peace and quiet I told him, please go to church, and please get on the diet 
shootbox came with the doo-wop. One billion and two cops can't find Tupac. Two shots, that's two grazed in two days. What goes up must come down on Tuesday. And I, and I don't like Pixar, Miss Star. I am the master. I came through like a... <gasps> Nobody followed my style. People say I would fall off, but I've been here for a while. So nope. Are you ready for the for them giant, the tyrant, the titan, the ogre, the lycan, the vampire, taking over empires? The game was a tooth. I'm a pair of pliers. We gon' do them Vinny style. As you can see, this got many styles. No too many that got semi rounds. And cold like ice. Put thorns to your crowns. You go out like Christ, my nigga. Get money from a show, then deposit it. Yo, shows got no ideology. So braggadocious. Spit sick and it's atrocious. Rising like the stock. Stock broken. The showgun came through with no gun. One man. Ichi Ban. Fresh out of Japan. Do us like a man. And what I demand. It's on me. Oh, peace and quiet. Told him, please go to church and please get on the dice. Welcome back to Point Blank Period. I am Darian, the mouth of the South Gray. And like I told y'all, man, I've been singing that song all stinking day, all stinking week, and probably even in the last week. So let's get back to this Kansas City banged up offensive line versus this stout and dominant defensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've already hyped up how good this line is for the Bucs. But now let's talk about why I think Andy Reid is the mind who is able to at least scheme some pressure off of Patrick Mahomes and not just have to worry about his offensive line winning, but also scheming it this way. Because look, I know they're going to get after Mahomes. I do not doubt that at all. And if you stay away from single high looks, it's going to be even better. Because in the last game they played, there was an RPO where Hill went deep against Davis. And I'm not trying to pick on Davis. That's just who he had the best success against. And there was no rush that could have got there before Mahomes let it go. It was that quick because it was single high and they got on top and it was that simple. So stay away from that and you'll be all right. I know they're going to get after him. And honestly, the Chiefs have already identified this problem weeks ago. And that's kind of a bright side if you want to be positive because against the Saints, against the Falcons, they were pressured on nearly 40% of their back, uh, dropbacks. And they rested their charge, their starters in the last game, excuse me, against the Chargers. So in the playoff games, that's where we first got to see the change in philosophy by Andy Reid. And they adopted a much quicker passing scheme. And it's important to remember that they're just as dangerous horizontally as they are vertically. So Tyreek Hill can stretch the field and get a 71-yard pass on a deep ball that went 50 yards in the air, or... He can get 71 yards on a slant that's probably like eight yards in the air, and he runs and makes something happen like that. Not to mention that Travis Kelsey underneath is still crazy. All right? So I expect to see more deep shots from the Chiefs than in the last two games because they've really stopped using it in the playoffs. I think they took four or five passes that went in the air for 20 yards in the last two games. And you wouldn't think that when thinking about the Chiefs. So... I expect to see more deep shots because Bowles is going to send pressure and it's about if the offensive line can hold up long enough because other teams have been sitting back and waiting and playing coverage in the backfield. You know, that was so impressive against uh, the Saints is that they were getting pressure with four. I don't think that Bowles is going to only send four. He's going to send some fives, some sixes. It's going to happen. Not often. I think he'll send five a lot, not six a lot, but five a lot. Devin White is going to come up that A-gap 
more than a couple of times in the game. It's been one of their best blitzes all year. They're not going to just throw it away because it's Patrick Mahomes. They're still going to dial up that pressure. So expect to see some deep shots because you're going to hope that your guys can win faster. But then also, they're going to move horizontally. So let's just look at it, man. I'm just saying, expect more deep shots than the last two games, but still expect a heavy dosage of quick passes, screens, and everything that's going to make up for having a banged-up line. Now let's move into the offense. And this is where I'm going to be a little bit negative because I feel like this is something that needs to be addressed. And that's the lack of consistency from the Tampa Bay offense. I think that you have to talk about it. I'm talking about in the playoffs because they're like the inverse of the defense. While the defense played poorly against the Washington football team, and you would love to see them be better against Taylor 40 ounce, but they weren't. But then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were really good against that defensive line. It was kind of surprising. We thought that maybe the, 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 the uh, Washington football team might have some sort of blueprint. That could have been people just hoping that Tom Brady got knocked off his spot. But that defensive line was good, and they handled them up. So they were good there. But in the next two games, they disappointed me. And when I say disappointed, I don't mean that they were a terrible unit. I don't mean that at all. But they didn't live up to what I thought they should have been or what I thought they could have been against the Packers or the Saints. Because in the Saints game, I said it earlier, man, that defense is the reason they won, and they were the best source of offense. When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were tasked with actually driving down the field and making something happen from their side of the field and crossing over to 50, they were disappointed because they settled for field goals. Okay, and I know, and I know what you may be thinking. Maybe I'm hating or I'm biased or I'm slanted because that was a game where the Saints got knocked out. But please listen, hear me out. How often do we say settling for field goals is not good? Frequently. And when the Buccaneers had to do it on all of their possessions where they had to come from their side of the, the field, I'm going to address that as a problem that needs to be addressed and fixed in the Super Bowl. So kudos them for, for getting drives. I'm not saying that they were garbage. They obviously had offensive firepower to get down the field multiple times however you need to get touchdowns it's no more okay that was good enough Mm -mm. could you start settling for field goals and this game is not going to be good you're not going to be happy and then against the the Packers they came out blazing and I'm like okay now we about to see them put it all together I thought they're going to just run away with it because the defense was playing well as well then they sputtered out in the second half. Brady threw three interceptions in that half. And on the only drive that they really got going, it was the end. It was a field goal. Because they scored 10 points in the first half. I mean, the second half. And that first seven was set up by a turnover all the way to the eight-yard line by the defensive defense again. So I'm going to put it like this, man. Put aside your feelings for Tom Brady, whether you hate him, whether you love him, whether you think he's the greatest, or whether you think that um, Bill Belichick is the reason for the dynasty. I don't care. First of all, he's not with Bill Belichick right now. All right? We got to stop with this putting one person on a pedestal to knock and knocking another one down because of it. But that's another conversation. Put aside whatever you feel about Tom Brady. Are you happy with an offense who in the last two games has struggled to end long drives and touchdowns and lost major steam in the second half. 
That's not a good lead up into a game that has a chance of being a shootout versus the scariest offense in the league. And that's what scares me for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they punch the ball in against the Packers, but they can't revert to settling for field goals and they can't sputter out in any half. You can't have a half like you had against Green Bay in the first or second against the Kansas City Chiefs because that is a recipe for disaster. And I know we're all kumbaya and talking about how good this team is, but this is one of the things that could really backfire and cause them to lose the game. But let's get some positivity, right? Let's talk about playoff Lenny. Let's talk about playoff Lenny, man. And the playoffs has truly been a bounce-back story for Leonard Fournette. This is a guy who got benched. He got benched, man. Late in the season. And it's like, oof. Then he comes back because... Ronald Jones ended up getting an injury in warm-ups versus the Washington football team, and since then he has not turned around. He has not turned around at all. And when you have a stigma placed on you, it's so hard to shake it. And Fournette has been hit with a disappointment and a troublemaker. Those are the tags he's been hit with. And while people won't change that he didn't live up to where he was picked, I think that was you know partially because he was in Jacksonville, and I just think that the pieces around him weren't the best. But whatever. You look at James Robinson this this year, and he had a great year, and they only won one game. So it's one of those things where he wasn't put in a conducive spot, but people won't get off of that. But I do think that he's, he's, his performance in the playoffs is proving that he is not a disappointment. And I fully think that him getting benched, I think he said it. He had to learn he's not the man. He's a part. And when he was – Coming into the team, I identified that as a strength because I thought that would be a good thing. But I guess I didn't take a I didn't take an account the mental side of it. Of I'm so used to being that guy that now I'm not that guy. But I still want to be because that's what I've been since I was 15 years old. I didn't take a, I didn't take an account that. But he got benched late in the season. He said that really shook him and made him realize you know what he needed to be. And then in the playoffs, when he got his chance after being benched, he responded with nearly 100 yards against Washington. He was the best offensive player versus New Orleans because I talked about that right after the game. He had key catches. He had key runs. And then against Green Bay, he had a huge uh, touchdown where it was like, man, I didn't think he was going to score that. Like, what happened? But this is what he's done in the playoffs. And I think that this has revitalized Fournette's career. And I think that it's added some value to him that was not there when he was cut by the Jaguars. And maybe some teams are hearing in because I think he might have played his way into maybe going somewhere else and being a feature back. Maybe some guys are going to talk to the the front office in, in Tampa Bay and they'll tell him, you know, that was really a reality check. And he's matured a lot within this last month of the season. And now I want to go with one last thing before I get out of here. And that is one of the biggest storylines, if not the biggest storyline going into the game. And that's this potential passing of the torch. And it's this game is being promoted as goat versus baby goat. That's what they love calling Mahomes, baby goat. Let's talk about this passing of the torch, man. Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league right now and has the ability to become as his resume grows and time continues, the greatest quarterback of all time. None of that is changing. Mahomes is the face of the league already. There is no torch to pass. 
if Brady loses this game on Monday, he will still wake up as the GOAT. If Mahomes loses this game, now we got something to talk about because it's going to be really hard to catch Brady. Because let's be very clear, Brady is old, yes. But by no point or by no means is he Peyton Manning in his second Super Bowl win where he's getting carried by defense. I know I said the defense is the best part, but he's not inept. So taking, taking down Tom Brady in this Super Bowl is still a huge task, especially when you don't have your offensive line and they have a really good defense. You know, people will never talk about how good that defense is, but whatever. That's not for this. I've campaigned for talking about how good the defense is for a long time. But you might say at the worst, this is the end of the Brady era, possibly, if Mahomes wins. But they're not a passing of the torch. Brady ain't the best quarterback no more. He's not fighting for that spot. We all gave it to Mahomes. Mahomes is the face of the league now. He's the one in the State Farm commercials with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, you know. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about passing of the torch. So if you want to talk about end of the era, possibly. But I'm not saying... His era is over until he retires because I expect the Bucs to be contenders again next year. And for me, eras have to be labeled when you're looking back on it because there's way too much fluctuation in the present moment. Last year, it looked like the AFC was going to be Mahomes, Lamar, and Watson. And now Josh Allen's pushed his way in. He might not stay there. I don't know. And Watson might not even be in the AFC next year. So when I look back, I'll see where the era begins and it ends. And we'll see if this is where it ends for Brady. But I'm going to say it doesn't until he retires. But I'm going to say they're sharing it. It's just going to be overlapping. So that's how I feel about it, man. And if you're asking me for a pick, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think that the inconsistency and the lack of putting together a full, impressive game in the last two weeks for Tampa Bay on offense has really scared me while Kansas city has a scary offense where you think they're down and they just explode out of nowhere. Not to mention the fact that I actually like Kansas city's defense. I like Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, Legereus Sneed, a guy who doesn't get a lot of love. Legereus Sneed has been good this year. I really like that core of their defense and their building blocks of it. And it's not just Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see. We'll see. And Honestly, that Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey thing for Tampa, they got to show me. They got to show me. I've been wrong on Tampa all year. So, hey, if you don't think that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I guess. Because I predicted that they would lose in their last two games and whoop-de-whoop would happen. <laughs> but I will be back after the Super Bowl. But until then, y'all know the drill. Running back, if y'all want to hear me again, it's been Darian Gray, the mouth of the South, point blank, period. Go ahead and enjoy y'all Super Bowl weekend.